I am going to sue the pants off those <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> we stole our idea. We're coming for you, Jason Tapping, Kelsey. We're coming for you. Tap into right? the chemistry of brotherhood <laughs> for a podcast. They stole it from me. All right. I want my royalty check. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, a man with just as many souvenir shot glasses as outstanding warrants, my brother Mike. Yep, I like to get one everywhere I go, one of each. One shot glass and a warrant out for my arrest. Some sort of warrant. It's good. There are a lot of uh, indecent exposure ones. There's a couple mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, uh, punching old elderly people ones. Uh, you know, those sort of things. The stuff you generally see from scuzz buckets like Mike absconding with farm animals i'll, I'll do that i don't care <laughs> all all sorts of things mm-hmm. don't get yeah, all of that old-timey stuff mm-hmm. you love the old-timey stuff yep real uh real uh <laughs> pillar of society you are uh this is welcome to our off-season another off-season edition of royals weekly here uh this is an off-season episode we'll catch everyone up on the team's roster shufflings there's been a few marginal edge of the roster things that have been going on. We'll discuss the new uh, steamer projections for individual players. And then we'll make a whole bunch of stupid jokes about crypto companies. I'm imagining because if you haven't been following that FTX story, I highly recommend it. (laughs) It is full of laughs, full of just schadenfreude. So great. Uh, Weird stories, full of some weird stories too. Uh, And so, yeah, if you get a chance, check out that FX or FTX crypto collapse story. It's quite, quite a story. Uh, Mike, anything, any thoughts you want to get to before we kick the show off? I don't have any thoughts. The only thing I wrote was go chiefs <laughs> because the, <laughs> oh. I, I, I literally, I read that and I'm like thoughts, uh, no thoughts, no thoughts in this head. Right I don't now. think I've ever had a thought that nah, I like banana bread, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. Uh, yeah. You're really lending us a lot of credibility here. The chiefs one today though. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> All right, we'll start our discussion with roster news because that's the thing that we always sort of kick off the review with. We don't have any, like, games to talk about, obviously. It's the offseason. But the Royals have been doing quite a bit roster-wise just to sort of start to prepare themselves for the offseason. The winter meetings are about to start before too long, and they'll have the Rule 5 draft, which means they got to do a lot of roster shuffling to protect certain players, to get rid of others so they can make room for that and all that sort of stuff. So we'll start with the Zach Greinke news. Zach Greinke became a free agent this offseason. And is now a free agent because we have officially hit the free agent window as well. So the Royals could be out there trying to buy free agents. Don't know if they will be or not, but they could be. Um, Granky is going to be an interesting case. There are reports out there that he has indicated that he does want to keep playing. Mike, would you like to see Zach Granky back in Kansas City next year? Well, let me start by saying I love Zach Granky. I think we all do. I love the goofiness. I like the bluntness. The stories are all fantastic. But honestly, I don't know that I want him back simply because you're going to be spending more money on him than the value that you get back. And for a organization that's completely trying to rebuild the pitching side of the organization, I don't know how much a Zach Greinke really helps you. And some people will say, well, he's going to help the youngsters come along. Do you really feel like anybody helped the youngsters come along last year? I mean, it's not his role to do that. It's not his job. Uh, So I wouldn't count on that. I I'm. I like him a lot. I just don't think he's going to be cheap enough to justify him uh, being up there. Now, the only thing I will say is if the Royals feel like 
none of those guys are ready to come up and fill a Zach Greinke spot. If they don't do anything in free agency and they don't trade for anybody and they don't feel like a Drew Parrish or an Angel Zerpa, or maybe the new regime doesn't think a Chris Bubich or a Brad Keller is ready or John Heasley is ready to be in that rotation. Then maybe you sign Zach Greinke as a guy to give you innings so that those guys can be in minor league baseball working on changing pitch profiles or mixes or adding pitches, whatever you feel like you can do with them in minor league baseball that you don't want them doing at the major league level. Then maybe you sign a Zach Greinke because you're familiar with what you get. He already lives here. He's likely to retire here. And at least as far as I know, he owns a home here now. Um, and so, yeah, I don't, maybe you feel comfortable bringing him back and he can do that for a number that you're okay with, but I don't think we need it for as like, Oh, well let's go win. Cause we got Zach Greinke. That ain't it. That's not it. Really, it's the innings. I'd be fine with them re-signing Zach Greinke because I know it's just going to be a one-year deal. I know that he'll never be anything more than one-year deals for around $10 million at this point. And so, you know, for what he gave them last year, it's not like bad value money to, you know, performance-wise. And it's also, you know, somebody has to pitch in this staff. Somebody has to, like, provide innings. And we talked a lot about, like, the desire for them to go out and get some starting pitching. I think I'm okay with them signing Greinke if they decide that they don't want to go out and spend for guys like Mike Clevenger or Martin Perez or some of these other guys we've identified that we think would be a decent sign for them. If they're like, we don't want to give two and three year deals for that, we're just interested in one year deals for guys. Greinke then becomes like an attractive option because you know you don't have to give him more than a year at a time because he's still always going to be unsure whether or not he wants to come back. And so... Give me, you know, if it comes to that, if you're unwilling to go out and sign and look at signing guys like Chris Bassett, like, um, uh, who are these other guys we've been talking about constantly? Uh, yeah, I Tyler Anderson. I thought, yeah, I think Bassett and Anderson guys. both got uh, qualifying. They offers? both get qualifying offers. I know, did I they? know, Anderson did. And so, if if you're if you're unwilling yeah. to play for those second, third tier guys in the free agent pitching market then you might as well go ahead and sign that Granky again. Because what you, what I really don't want as a fan, as a viewer of this game, is to watch them roll out a bunch of guys who are just going to get lit up again. Like, I don't want to see the 2022 rotation again. Because I, it's just, it'll burn my eyeballs out. I hated it so much. And so, to, can we just not see, see that that's again? The thing. Like, and we're going to talk about the Steamers projections in this next uh, segment, I think. But, uh, like, they project Brad Keller to have 109 innings this year. Can you take 109 <laughs> innings of Brad Keller again? Well, the, it's all up in the air, right? Because we don't know. <sighs> what, the question is, where does the front office have faith? Do they have faith in this next pitching coordinator that they or pitching uh, coach that they sign and these next pitching development people that they sign? Do they have faith in them to turn around some of these guys quickly, to turn around Lynch quickly, to turn around Bubich quickly, to turn around Heasley quickly, to get Bolin ready, to get Parrish ready, to get all these guys ready to actually be performers at the major league level. If they have faith that they can do that quickly, then maybe it doesn't make sense to go out and sign these short-term guys. But if they don't, if they're like, this is going to take a couple years, man, don't make me watch Brad Keller go out there and just suck for 108 innings this year because I can't handle it. My eyes can't handle it. I don't want it. And so please don't, don't do that, uh, JJ Piccolo, because I, I don't want it. Um, another guy they ended up moving on from, and this was a little bit of a surprise for me. And you mm -hmm. and I talked about this guy a lot during the year for a guy who seemingly disappeared, seemingly went into the witness protection program. The, the Royals waived <laughs> or must have designated for assignment or something. Gabe Spire. 
and he was claimed off waivers by the Mariners. Uh, and so because when you're left-handed and you throw 95, people want you on your team, on their team. And here's the thing. He played well last year. His ERA was under four. It was like three, eight or three, seven or something like that. But some injury problems. He, he went on the IL, came back from the IL, went down to triple A and then that was it. He Oof. was done for the year. Yeah. yeah, it was gone. It was like, and so everybody was like, where's Gabe Spire? Where's Gabe Spire? Nobody knew. Well, now he's in Seattle. Okay. <laughs> I don't love that. I'm like, why would you take a guy who was, if you put his numbers up there, for at least for the time he pitched, one of the most effective relievers you had, who's somewhat versatile. Remember, he started a game for them and gave him like four innings. You know, why would you take a guy who looks like he has arm talent when you are so desperate for pitching and move on from him? Especially when you got a lot of guys on your forty man who you could move on from. <laughs> just, just, a, just a thought, just an interesting thought. Anyway, they did decide to protect a few guys on the forty man too. So, as I said, if you don't know, the Royals will have to protect some guys from getting taken in the Rule Five draft coming up, and we can talk more about the rules for that and all that. It's very complicated. But they added Samad Taylor and Richard Lovelady to their forty man roster. They selected their contracts. So those two are now protected and on the 40-man roster. Uh, Mike, you have any thoughts on Spire, Samad Taylor, Richard Lovelady, any of that? Yeah. First, I'll remind people, Samad Taylor is one of the pieces that we got in the Whit Merrifield trade with Toronto. Somewhat of a versatile skill set. Uh, interesting skill set from a, a smaller guy. He's got a little bit of pop in his bat. Um, I was a little surprised that they put Richard Lovelady on there, though. Because they seemingly don't ever want him to pitch in Major League Baseball. And so that was a little surprising to me. I thought that might be a guy that they just let kind of go because it's for before the injury for a long time, it seemed like he was ready to come up and pitch in Major League Baseball. And he did hear a little here, a little there a little, but they never kept him up very long. And so I'm a little bit surprised that they're protecting him. Uh, Samad Taylor, even before the fall league, it would not have surprised me if they didn't really protect him. Uh, although they just got him, but he had a pretty good fall league, I think Arizona fall league. So um, they're going to protect him. And I think he provides some versatility, which the Royals love. Or at he's least the type past. Yeah. He's the type of dude who gets taken in the 40 man or in the rule five draft rule five. because he is versatile defensively because you can roster a guy like that, especially with a DH. Now you can roster a guy like that and, you know, keep him on your bench most of the time and, you know, just have him come be a defensive replacement and an athlete for you and see what happens. His big issue has just really been staying healthy, staying on the field. And so teams will take a chance on a guy like that. A bad teams will and, and should. So, yeah, I'm not overly surprised, especially after his performance in the Arizona fall league that he got protected in some way. Uh, Love lady was effective in the major leagues for a little bit before he got hurt. Uh, so again, I, I like him as a reliever. I, I, you know, I have got the impression that the Royals do not because they don't <laughs> treat him very well as a reliever, but we'll see. Um, looking at that 40 main roster crunch right now, the Royals have 39, players on their 40 man roster. Um, coming into the rule five draft, there are some players they'll need to protect. And this isn't a complete list. This is just a list of guys who make the most sense and not all of them will get protected. And somebody out of nowhere will get protected. That always ends up happening, right? Like, um, but there are a couple like Alec was, Marsh. It was Zerpa a couple of years ago. Remember it, it was, was Zerpa year a couple years of years ago. ago. Yep, yeah. Yep. It was like, why did they protect him? And then you look at it and it's like, yeah, that actually was a good question. He hasn't really, you know, done a ton of stuff. You don't think he would have been taken in the Rule 5 draft to play that much. But anyway, here are a few guys that they might need to protect. Alec Marsh, TJ Sikama. Marsh, somebody would take him, put him in a bullpen, and say, hey, throw really hard, 
and throw your your one best secondary pitch, strike some guys out, we'll see what you got. Somebody would take Alec Marsh. TJ Sikama, he had a really good Arizona Fall League and is really deceptive lefty. Remember we got him in the um who did we uh, trade? Benintendi. That was the Benintendi trade. That's right. Yeah. Got him Yankees. in the Benintendi trade. Lefty. Been really effective in the minors, but had trouble staying healthy. Mizzou guy. Mizzou guy. Yep. Drew Parrish is a guy <laughs> who might need to be protected. Had a lot of success in double A last year. Struggled a little bit in his transition to triple A, but a guy who's like a soft tossing lefty with good command and good secondaries who might get taken uh, by, by a bad team. Jonah DePoto. I put on this list because he had a really good Arizona fall league. He was very effective in the fall league. Team might go out. He's a relief pitcher, but relief pitchers you can easily stash in a bullpen and see what they got. Same goes for Josh Dye. He's a guy who's been in both AA and AAA, I think. Kind of a funky motion for Josh Dye, a reliever who's another one. You just take a shot on him in the Rule 5 draft because, hey, why not, you know? And then John Rave is another guy who had who's an outfielder, athletic, can play multiple outfield positions, had a really successful Arizona Fall League, another guy you could stash on a bench, make him your fourth outfielder for now, and see what happens. And so those are some guys they may end up needing to protect. Remember, right now they only have one slot left. That's, what, six guys for one slot? Now, they may not protect all of them. I don't think all of these guys would get taken. But the question is, what's going to happen roster-wise? Mike, who do you like as candidates to be added to the 40-man to be protected? And who do you like as candidates to be subtracted from the 40-man to make room for these guys? Yeah, I just want to let the listening audience know, in case you don't, the hard part about drafting a Rule 5 guy is they have to stay on your Major League roster for the whole year, I think, right? And yeah. if they don't, you have to send them back to the team you drafted them from. And so Sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the team will pull some shady stuff. The Royals did this a few years when they drafted Stephen Woods Jr., where it's like, oh, no, he's got an arm injury. And he goes on the injured injured list, like, oh, he's out for 60 days. He's got, I don't know how, I mean, We'll see. We'll see. I'm just, we'll put it all in quotes. All right. Put it all in quotes. (laughs) Okay. If everything's above board, you you have to keep them on your roster for the entire season. So um, it can be tough to do that, especially for contending teams. I think, I think Sykema and Marsh are locks. They are going to get protected. They have to. There's too much uh, potential there, especially with Marsh. Uh, High ceiling for Marsh, maybe a little bit of a lower floor, higher floor for Sykema probably. Than, than, than his ceiling. But uh, I think those guys are for sure. I think Drew Parrish is almost a lock as well. Uh, just because of all the success he's had at the lower levels, I think he's probably a lock. The other guy I would say is more of like a coin flip is John Rave. Uh, he's the other one that I would protect, especially when I look at the Royals 40 now and look how much dead weight there is on there. I think you can make it. I think you can make think enough you can make room case, for those you guys. Can make a case that there shouldn't be 35 all guys on this. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, so yeah, you better get John Rave on there. Drew Parrish, Sycama and Marsh as well. Those are the four guys that I would keep. Uh, I know you're a big, uh, you're a Josh die guy. I know you've liked him in the past, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't see the things that a lot of other people see with Josh die, but uh, I would for sure keep those four guys. Yeah. I think the, I think I would keep, Four guys as well. I think I'm going Marsh, Sikama. I think you're right. Those two got to probably be locks after how after all the tools that Marsh clearly has and how Sikama performed in the fall league. I think those guys would definitely get taken. Uh, and the weird thing is, other teams are going to be looking at the Royals a little weird when it comes to this Rule Five draft, right? They're going to be looking at the Royals pitching in the minor leagues, and they're going to be like, they got some arm talent that we can unlock. They couldn't because they're bad yeah. at it. We can unlock some of this talent, right? <laughs> And so 
they're going to be looking at the Royals with that sort of gaze, I think, in this Rule 5 draft. So I'm protecting Marsh. I'm protecting Sycama. I'm protecting Parrish. And I'd be protecting DePoto at this point, too, honestly. I think he pitched well enough and has shown enough that some team's going to be like, let's try him out in the bullpen and see what happens. When you said earlier some rando is going to be put on there and protected that we don't even see. It's going to be out of left field mm-hmm. last year. I think it was last year, Nathan Webb. Oh yeah. Nate Webb Remember? was last year. Yeah. They yeah. protected, they protected him. Lee summit North zone, Nathan mm-hmm. Webb. Uh, and, and now they protected, you know, he Nathan. Was, ended up being hurt. Yeah. He was hurt for most but. of the year. Uh, he now he got protected because he's a, he throws a hundred. That's the reason that he got protected. Mm-hmm. He throws so hard. That's why a guy like Josh Dye may not get taken in a Rule Five draft. Is he? There's nothing that pops like, oh, this guy's out yeah. there throwing a hundred, or you know, it's it's all deception. It's all funk. You know, like you know, his numbers are okay, but they're not eye popping to the point where you're like, oh man, this guy's incredible. You know, and so he, might, I think he could get through and be fine. Um, I'd, I'd make some cuts. They'd have to make three cuts to accommodate taking on four players. There's an obvious one, right? <laughs> there are two sure. very obvious ones. I'm going to call Ryan O'Hearn an obvious cut. Brent <laughs> Rooker, I think you can get rid of Brent Rooker. Obvious. And there's get him nothing. out. Seems like yeah. a nice dude. Seems like a nice dude. <laughs> Love his Twitter account. Great Twitter follow. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think you can get rid of him. No problem. Mostly also because you have a very crowded outfield. The Royals do. And so full of young players that you need to see. And so I think you can get rid of Rooker pretty easily. I would non-tender Adalberto Mondesi because he's going to cost quite a bit as a, as a, in his last year of his arbitration. Um, and he's going to be, he's going to play what, 10 games all year anyway. So, you know, I, I would non-tender Adalberto Mondesi and cre- to create room there. And, and then you got enough room for Marsh, Sycamore, Parrish, and Depoto. The last bit of roster news uh, to protect, not to protect some guys. Some guys came off the 60-day IL, uh, Angel Zerpa. Came off the 60 dial as well as Jake Brents. So we'll see what Brents can provide. Maybe moving forward, we know he was effective for a season. Hurt all this year. Hopefully he can get back to helping this bullpen because it is bad right now. Or it was bad in 2022. Uh, Hopefully he can bounce back a little bit. And then everybody's favorite backup catcher, Sebastian Rivero, was designated for assignment. (laughs) I feel so bad for Sebastian Rivero because he is like a (laughs) servant to this organization. And they just yank him around all the time. Now they DFA'd him. I think he can be a, a backup catcher of the majors. So hopefully he ends up somewhere where people will value him. He could still end up back with the Royals as a minor leaguer. I don't know. Maybe nobody takes him. Um, but I think he can do it. Sorry you got DFA'd Sebastian Rivero. Hang in there, buddy. It's really, really, really important to us that you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on whatever platform you use. If you're on YouTube, leave a comment. Tell us how we're doing. Let us know what you think about the topic of the day, right? Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and lets us know that we're doing something right and you want us to produce more content. Plus, Mike can't show his face at his country club if he doesn't get the subscriber numbers up. No tea, no crumpets, <laughs> no creepy after party with people wearing masks and capes, eyes wide shut style. It's free to comment, to like, and subscribe. It takes only a half a second, but it does us a world of good. So please make sure to do that and also follow us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. We might be abandoning Twitter if it collapses in some sort of monumental collapse. Don't know. We'll, we'll go to Mastodon or something like that. We'll see. But uh, we post an additional, a ton of additional content on social media. So make sure you're following us, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, maybe soon Mastodon. 
makes you think there's a country club out there that would have me. <laughs> Royals fans often have a complicated relationship with projection systems. We know that. Yes, they used to regularly underestimate the Royals when it came to win total and things like that. Now they regularly tell fans a hard truth that the Royals aren't very good right now. Uh, recently, Steamer released their projection system for, for 2023, which projects the performance of individual players. So you get to see like how Steamer thinks that that player will do in 2023. And they do this based on things like past performance and the past performance of other guys with similar profiles, things like that. We thought we'd kick off a discussion of 2023 with a look at those projections, but we're mostly interested in what you think of those projections. So do us a favor. Tell us whether or not you like those projections. You think they're on the money. You think they're way off. Leave a YouTube comment below. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave a review that tells us what you think of these projections and where you think the Royals are headed in 2023. Okay. Now, just to give you a sense of what some of these projections say, there are like, it projects that maybe five or six or seven guys in the Royals lineup will have weighted runs created pluses of above 100. So they'll be better than average offensively. It, it projects some improvement, a little improvement for Bobby Witt Jr. It projects a really great season from Benny Pasquantino. They're projecting a 140 weighted runs created plus from him, which makes him 40% better than league average. That's really good. Projecting a good season from MJ Melendez. Uh, pretty much average seasons from Salvador Perez, from Mike Massey, and those guys offensively, um, from Drew pa or from Drew Waters average. Oddly, they're projecting like a regression to the mean for the pitching staff, and that means positive regression for most of them. So Daniel Lynch, they're projecting to do better than he did. Chris Bubich better. Brad Keller better than they did last year because those guys all had really bad years last year. And so they're like, well, they won't be quite as bad because, you know, they had really bad years. Um, so we'll see uh, on that one. But Mike, what about this projections stands out to you? What do you think it says about the Royals moving forward? Looking at it at the pitching side as a whole, they only project one starter to go over three for war for, uh, you know, wins above replacement. And that's Brady Singer. And after that, it falls off tremendously. And so and, and I don't think that's a surprise to anybody. You said they're projecting some regress, some positive regression from guys like Lynch and Bubich. But here's my thought behind that. If they don't show that positive regression, they likely aren't going to be in the rotation for very long. You know, things could end up moving out of there. People could end up moving out of there very quickly if you continue to see the type of pitching that they were doing last year. So I could see that in the sense that the only way they stay in there for, let's see, what are they projecting for? Bubich, 151 innings. The only chance he has at getting 151 innings is doing better than he did. They're projecting a 4-4-2 ERA for Bubich and a 4-4-5 fielding independent pitching. The only way he gets to 151 innings and those numbers is if he is doing well, I guess. So yeah, he's right. not he staying did. in the rotation yeah. unless he's at those numbers. So I think if you get that from him, you are thrilled. Like if that's what you get, if that's what Chris Bubich can be, you're happy with that. That that's I think that's his roughly his ceiling, at least from what I've seen so far, unless somebody comes in and really changes up what we've seen so far from Chris Bubich. I think that's just the, the as high as he can go. Um, you know, the one that kind of, well, we'll talk about this a little bit more in a second, but the one that kind of gets me is John Heasley. They've got him projected at a five ERA and a just below that for his FIP. I think he's got more than that. I think he's better than that. Um, I think, I think he might be better than Bubich, honestly. Uh, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I, I was really interested in the notion that 
that this projection system, and that's just the way a lot of projection systems work. They're extremely conservative, right? And so they they tend to huddle everyone into like their middle of the road outcome, right? And so that's why you you won't see them project Lynch at like a five three ERA, even if he had a five three ERA last year, right? You won't see Bubich projected for an over five. No, because he's he's got a somewhat of a track record for one for Bubich. So they're going to say, well, he's going to be huddled more towards league average. Everybody gets huddled kind of towards league average a little bit. Now, the interesting thing is we don't know what kind of impact a new pitching coach, a new pitching development system, a new regime in terms of pitching and data analytics and things like that will have on this pitching staff could be no change at all. Honestly, they can't go. They can't get any worse, really. I mean, it's just it's impossible for them to get any worse. If they so, come out and say how, our focus is to not walk people, <laughs> they're last in the league in how, walks. Like, how do you get how do you get worse than they were last year? It just it doesn't seem possible, honestly. Uh, now I say that. Watch, come out in the first month, they're going to be like dead last in every statistical category, which is what they were this year. So it really doesn't. You can't get worse than the worst in the league, right? And so either they're going to stay roughly the same, or they're going to get better. Okay. Now we don't know what a new pitching regime will do, but it's interesting to me that they're like, well. As a projection system, we're kind of just going to expect everybody to huddle closer to league average as, as they make progress as prospects. The thing about pitching is sometimes dudes just make huge leaps, right? Pitching isn't like hitting in terms of development. Guys, I feel like in hitting development, do it rather incrementally. Sometimes they'll unlock something that makes them a lot better, but a lot of times it's just incremental improvement. You know, you get a little bit better, you get a little more patient, you start understanding what how pitchers are going to pitch you, and you get a little bit better as a hitter, right? Pitchers, they unlock something in mechanically that helps their command get way better. They develop a pitch that's way better than all their other pitches. They make one of their, and that changes, they change their pitch mix. And all of a sudden they're a three and a half ERA guy. I mean, look at, look at Brady Singer, yeah, right? The- like he went from a guy who was basically league average as a starter to one of the best starters in the American league, you know? And that was, you know, that's sometimes how it happens for pitchers. So it wouldn't surprise me if this looks something more like a few of these guys don't make any progress at all. Maybe Bubich doesn't make any progress, but maybe Lynch, Lynch takes a big step forward. It sort of all depends on what this coaching looks like coming into 2023. Mike, are any of these, I want to talk about like where you think these projections are in terms of uh, how good they are. Are there any of these projections that feel overly conservative to you? Yeah, I thought the the batting average for Edward Olivares, really that if you look at Olivares, one Salvador Perez, I thought was maybe a, cheated a little bit on his some of his power numbers. The slugging was a little lower than what I thought it would be, um, but the batting average for Edward Olivares is one that really uh, stands out to me because they got him projected for a two sixty batting average, which for him, as hard as he hits it and the good launch angle that he hits it, seems a little low, and I especially think it's going to be a little low because I think uh, the new manager Quatrero, I can say it. Um, is going to put him into better situations where he's hitting more against lefties and less against righties. So whatever we saw, I think he's going to be a guy that really favor, you know, really gets an advantage from the platoon splits that Quatrero will do. And so I think he has the opportunity to to be a lot better than what these projections are showing. Yeah, I agree 100% on Olivares. His stood out to me immediately. I was like, whoa, like this doesn't seem right to me. For one, I th- I still think there's a little bit 
uh, of, of a better approach in there for him just slightly. That'll slightly help his walk rate. But yeah, you're absolutely right. If he gets a chance to play and maximize his playing time, I think he's going to be great, especially playing in Kauffman Stadium. And the way he hits is very much like a like a slasher's game where it's like he's going to hit the ball really hard, but it's not going to be in the air a lot. That's going to help him batting average-wise. That's going to help him in a lot of ways. Now, the question is how many games is he going to play? I think there's a question to be asked there health-wise. His health is hurting some of these projections, I think, um, because they don't have him projected to play a lot of games. Um, but that's because he's been injured in the past. And so we'll see on that. But in terms of batting average, I think you're right. I think his is definitely has a shot to be higher than that. Um, you have this mention that Heasley, I know you already brought it up. But you, I, I got I to throw in this line. Yeah. <laughs> Do you see my little... I'm a my... Believesley. <laughs> no, it's I oh, still, still Believesley. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. butchered it, man. It's First off, the, the fact that they think he's going to... He's going to throw 150 some innings or 140 some innings with a five ERA. No, he's not, if he throws a five ERA, he'll never be in there for 140. Well, they innings. don't have a lot of other not, guys. Not a guy like Heasley. We're going to do better, but not a guy like Heasley who's a marginal, maybe a like a five, a marginal back end guy to begin with. You know, you've got a lot of them. The Royals have tons of those guys. They can shuffle through there. Uh, so I think that's I th- one. I think it's a little high because I think a, a lot of John Heasley, but. Two, I just wanted to have the line. I still believes Lee. That's my... <laughs> oh, I this still believes Lee. He spent weeks I still workshopping Lee, that John line. Heasley. That's right. <laughs> I still believes Lee, John Heasley. I know you're listening. Okay. All right. Uh, the guy I think they're a little bit low on is Drew Waters. Um, and I understand why they're low on him. Yeah. Right. Because these projection systems look a lot at like walk rate and strikeout rate. And his strikeout rate is very high. And if you looked at his strikeout rate and his batting average on balls in play last year, you would say that's unsustainable because he strikes out a lot and he had a pretty high bat bip. The thing that gives him a high bat bip though, is that he hits the ball really friggin' hard. And so like Edward Olivares, I think that they're underplaying him just a little bit right now. They have him projected for a 99 weighted runs created plus, and they have it drawn out as a 239 batting average, a 308 on base and a 400 slugging. I think a couple things are happening here, right? Steamer is still utilizing some of his minor league numbers from the Braves, right? So usually these projection systems go out three years. Well, if you, if you take three years worth of data, it's going to be two really bad years from, from Drew Waters, half a still pretty bad year, and then half a really good year when he got to the Royals. So they can't calculate, they can't quantify the big jump, the big improvement he made when he came to the Royals in that way. They're going to sort of say, well, no, we don't really call that an improvement. We just think eventually he'll regress to the mean, right? But it doesn't work that way. I think he actually made an improvement and he's actually going to keep rolling with this system of the better um, approach that he had in Kansas City, hitting the ball in hard. And I think he might even go a step further, right? He might improve even more. I think he ended the year in Kansas City with something like a 130 weighted runs created plus. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets into the 120 range uh, next year. I think 120 is a reasonable uh, expectation for Drew Waters in terms of weighted runs created plus, because I think he's going to be something closer to like 260, 270 as a batting average because he hits the ball so hard. And then, you know, something like it wouldn't surprise me 350 as an on base because he walks so much now. His, his, his walk rate in Kansas City was like 12 to 14%, I think. And so I think he's, he's done pretty well in terms of developing an approach that allows him to get more walks. And then he does have quite a bit of power as well. So I think they're a little low on Drew Waters. Um, but we'll see once the season gets going. Like, is there anybody you think that this projection is a little overly optimistic with? 
Well, I would say Bubich for sure. Lynch probably also. Um, Brad Keller probably also. But like you said, a lot of these guys are getting regret positive regression because they were so bad last year. And they're kind of pushing them to the middle of the pack for Major League Baseball. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. Let me put it well. I wouldn't be surprised if Bobby doesn't make that big of a jump that you see in these projections. I think you will see certainly progression from him because that's just the kind of guy he is. But I don't know that you'll see the the uh, walk numbers that they're projecting for him. Um, to be clear, yeah, uh, his projection for this one. year is a 262 batting average, a 312 on base, and a 461 slugging, which gives him a 115 weighted runs created plus. That's what they're projecting for him. Now, again, it's sa- same thing we mentioned with Drew Waters. They're catching some of his minor league data where he had better walk rates, and that's why they're projecting mm-hmm. better walk rates, right? And so um, we'll see if he actually does take that step forward, develop a little bit better of approach, a little bit more patience, and take some more walks to the major league level. Maybe he will, um, but we'll see. I, I think I think if he made it to 115 as a way to run creative plus and shored up some of his defense, I think we'd be very happy. Oh, with yeah. That. I'd be very um, happy with that, yeah. Because he, you know, if that's his line, that's if he good. hits 260 with a, and has a 312 OBP, I'm I'm really excited about his future because that's going to show you a little bit more of a patient approach. And as that continues to grow, he'll continue to he'll hit for higher averages than 260. Hopefully, um, yeah, I'm with you though. I, I think the pitching, a lot of the pitching, is what they're overly optimistic on, and that's just because of past performance. Like I said. New pitching coach could come in. All of this could change. What the Royals are kind of hoping for and banking on is somebody to come and wave a magic wand. Now, is that possible? Sure. We've seen pitching coaches have drastic impacts on staffs. I mean, I think <laughs> I think in an earlier episode, I mentioned somebody in uh, Houston, or not Houston, um, uh, with, with the tech, uh, with the Rangers. I got that wrong. It's actually with the Diamondbacks. The, the guy who took over as um, pitching coach for the Diamondbacks last year, I want to say, or two years ago, had a tremendous impact. Big transition that that, that that rotation made. It can happen. Will it happen? I don't know, right? Right now, this projection system isn't, isn't anticipating a pitching coach change at all. It's just moving them closer to league average because they were so bad last year, but or closer to their average because they were so bad last year. But... I don't know. I don't think it'll necessarily work that way. I think some guys will take that coaching and make a big step forward and other guys just really won't. And so we'll have to see which goes guys that it, that make the improvement and which don't. Mike, big picture, looking at these projection systems, looking at this projection, the steamer projection for the Royals. What are your big, broad takeaways looking at this? Well, if I'm looking just at this paper team, okay, this is at least a 90 loss team on paper with, with the, oh, yeah. what steamer is saying with these projections, because as you just said, I mean, with, with Brady singer having, you know, what looks like a great setup for his projections there, you're then counting on him to not have any regression mm-hmm. back to although, what his past performance has been. Although and I'm sure this, they factor that in. They did. Yes. This, this but, is, is a regressed performance from him. Cause I think they have a ZRA listed at like three, eight, two or something like that. Yeah, uh, three eight two with a three six nine FIP. But how many times in his career has he thrown one hundred and eighty four innings with, and had accounted for three point two WAR? Never. So, <laughs> um, and so like, yeah, that's. And then after that, you're talking about a huge drop off, even from these projections. So if they don't get any better pitching, which these projections don't show a whole lot of better pitching, then it's going to be really bad. It's going to be bad, bad, bad. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, they're just projections, so I don't really put much stock into them usually, but there's some things that I could take. If I, if I could take Bobby's projection, I would, you know, if I could take Bubich's, I would even Lynch's, I probably would, even though it's probably not where I want him to be or where I think he can be, but there's so much on here that you just, you couldn't, isn't going to win you games. Mm-hmm. And and that's just how it is. So yeah, these, this projection predicts some progression. This, this, what's weird is this team on paper probably wins more t- games than, than 2022's team because the pitching isn't as bad. Right. And so, and you know, they also don't have some guys who early in the year really sunk them, you know? Um, so they're not projecting yeah. as many at-bats for Hunter Dozier early in the year, Ryan O'Hearn early in the year, Carlos Santana early in the year. You know? They're projecting less of that, you know? And so, and they're project- projecting some progress from a lot of these hitters. And so, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. is taking a step forward, Mike Massey, Vinny Pascantino, all that Pascantino, sort of stuff. Yeah. They even have Prado as like an over 100 uh, weighted runs created plus projected. And so, you know, they're projecting some progression, but honestly, the Royals will need way more even if they're going to hope to not even compete, but like be respectable. And by that, I mean like only lose like 90 games, you know, if they only (laughs) lose 90 games, they're still going to need to be better than they are on this paper team. Right. And that means like, maybe they need to bring in some starting pitchers. Maybe, you know, that's what it would take to get them to that. Now we'll see. Now, maybe that also means some of these guys take a big step forward. You know, it's weird, but like, what if Lynch took the big step forward that Singer took last year in 2023? Oh, How much different See, that, does this team? That's look? that's what you're there to dream on because mm-hmm. man, to have those two locked in for the rest of their, you know, years of control and have them be stable pieces of a rotation, you go out and get one more guy and you're, you're good. You're, you're, you're set up to win, win, win. And I mean like playoffs plus, um, and that's, what's so frustrating. They'd still need to do a lot of work in the bullpen. They'd still need to do all. Like, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, like, but think about that. If you if he took a step forward, like Singer does, you have two guys that are worth over three WAR. You add one more, you have a starting pitching that will dominate the Central. Yeah, I mean that's true. Uh, they could they could <laughs> at least do well in the Central. Yeah. Well, once you're in the playoffs, it's all a crapshoot anyway. <laughs> <laughs> We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, we haven't done this for like a month, so you should have a whole backlog of interesting <laughs> I actually, things. I, and yet I, when I went to think of one, I was like, I, I, do I ever leave the house? My brain is broken. <laughs> I love Bob's burgers. You know, I couldn't think of anything. And so uh, let us know what, what's been going on in your Neck of the woods well, I down ha- in the G hood. Yeah, I had multiple. And so I, I'm doing two kind of. The first thing I wanted to do was shout out to all the high school football players who are ending their seasons right now. Some of them, their careers in football. Best, you know, great times of your life. Way to dedicate yourself to something awesome. Shout out to my Lee Summit North Broncos who are still in or in the final four for class six. We've got another local team, Liberty North, also very good in the final for class six. Smithville's still in their class. Uh, can you think of any other ones in the Metro? I know I'm forgetting Maryville. Oh, well, well. that's not really the Metro (laughs) Maryville. Our, our hometown's still in it. Keep way to go. Uh, spoof hounds. Uh, I think center is still in it. I think they're going to go play Smithville. Um, if I'm forgetting you, I apologize, but shout out to those people. Um, high school football. It is fantastic. Uh, the, the, my actual thing though, my actual, just a bit outside is 
uh, is the podcast New Heights, the Kelsey Brothers podcast. Have you listened to uh. it at all? <laughs> oh my god! I just see clips of it online all the time. It's hilarious, I, man. I see it all the time. It is a fantastic perspective on professional football, and it's funny. Like that's what's great, it, and it's it, it's really just like two brothers cutting it up, and I mean, it's yeah, it's this, but. With a following that's like, you know, oxen to Drupal higher than ours. But I am going to sue the pants off those <laughs> motherfuckers. <laughs> we stole our idea. We're coming for you, Jason tap Kelsey. In, We're coming for tap you. Tap into right? the chemistry of brotherhood <laughs> for a podcast. They stole it from me. All right. I want my royalty check. <laughs> and so and that's the thing. You know what they probably do with the money they make from that podcast? Wipe their backside with it because it's nothing say, to them. You know, what? What? <laughs> Burn it. They got a fire pit going in back with the money that they make podcasting. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's no. funny. Uh, it man. is hilarious. Though. It is. It is so funny. I've been I've been just going back and watching old episodes of it now because it's like they do hour long episodes, and so yeah, they must have a lot of free time. I don't know. What, what, they're professional football players. You know? I guess. Uh, but anyway, it but is you, funny. It is very you know, insightful because well, you and I have you know. We kind of, I don't want to say we know Travis Kelsey, but, you know, being Chiefs fans the way we do or the way that we are. No, we know him personally. We, yeah, no. we're, we're good friends. No, but we, but he you and know, I go him, way back. You know his personality a little bit from pressers and from interviews and things like that. I know nothing of Jason Kelsey because we aren't Eagles fans. He's a center, so he doesn't get a lot of attention, but he is absolutely hilarious. He, he is the hilarious. funnier of the two of them. I know. Mind. He is. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's, he's hilarious. <laughs> He is very funny. Just like I am the funnier of the two of us. He is the funnier. I am the Jason Kelsey Holy of this group. Right? Like, uh, anyway. All right, then I'm the Hall of Famer, I guess. Then, cause, uh, you don't think Jason Kelsey's going to make it? I, uh, think he might. I think he probably will. Not, not a lot of centers he, getting in there. But, on, yeah, He's been on a Super Bowl winning team. He's been playing for like 15 years. He's been an all-pro, an all-pro you know, bowler. He might have a chance at another Super Bowl this year. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. That's a great show. I'm talking about another great thing, another artistic creation, which is fantastic. I went to it over Halloween. They do it at Powell Gardens. It's called Dark Forest. It's an event out at Powell Gardens that's like a – basically you walk through it. You walk through a forest, and there are all these different artists out there like performing, basically. They're performance artists, and they do like – you know creepy stuff like spooky people dressed up it's spooky it's scary but it's also like beautiful like it's like lasers and lights and you know contortionists are out there and there's this person like these people actually multiple people on these rings of fire they had like these fire rings going and these people are like dancing in them and like juggling with fire and it was all it was just all crazy it was crazy and scary and like uh, no, it's not that scary, really. It's Can't really not it. scary at all. Some people get scared for various things. One, this one moment I'm sitting there waiting for the little fire dancey show to start. My mother is right next to me because my partner and my mother went with me. And we're sitting on this bench waiting for the show to start. And this person who is like clearly working, she's like dressed up and makeuped up and all this stuff. She's standing right behind us. And we don't re- realize it for like two minutes. <laughs> she's just standing still as a brick. And I look back and I'm like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> that's Get the away from my- They're supposed to like creep, creep you out and scare you. That sort of stuff. Yo, Get away really from my fun. mother. 
<laughs> Get away from my mother! Uh, no, no, actually, I threw mom in front of her and I ran. <laughs> I used mom as a human shield. Just, go. yeah. yeah, good job. Uh, yeah, and so, yeah, I lived. Um, so we're all good. Uh, but yeah, really fun. Just be- artistically, it is beautiful. It is just a beautiful... They had a machine out there. It's like a bubble machine slash smoke machine. So it like blew out smoke-filled bubbles. And you could pop them and the smoke would go... Psh- it was so cool. I want to get one for my house. Um, but like, yeah, I can't highly recommend it enough. Dark Forest next year, if you get a chance to go, it's a lot of fun. Well worth the uh, the money, the price of admission. Um, I like yeah, Pal Gardens. Check man. it out. It's, it's Pal cool Gardens. They always do fun events out there. Um, Pal Gardens, Dark Forest. Give it a shot. Check it out. That is all we have for this week's episode. We will be back in roughly a month unless the Royals do something special. We'll have a special episode if they do. Until then, subscribe, rate, and review. Comment on YouTube below, please. Like us on YouTube and everything. We'll see you next time. Be good to each other. Go Royals! <laughs>